we're doing a series. It's called The Greatest Stories Never Told. And, and here's why this is important is whether you grew up in church or not, whether you know the Bible or not, regardless, we tend to at least be familiar with some of the same Bible stories, the David and Goliath, the Noah's and the Arks, you know, that, that type of story, which is great. We should know those. But there's so many great stories and great individuals throughout the Bible that we oftentimes just kind of skip over or we haven't dug deep enough to truly discover so I'm hoping this summer you will discover maybe a, a few new individuals that you never knew were in the Bible before, maybe a couple stories you never heard of before, or you didn't really know there was a point to that story. Maybe something along those lines, because we have a great appreciation for anything that we have to dig in a little bit deeper to discover. Uh, my family and I, we discovered something this last week. We were hanging out with a couple from our church. They actually are over in the middle school area right now, loving and teaching our middle school students. Jacob and Lamore, uh, they live up and actually work at a camp up in Cleveland. And uh, so we got to go up to their house, spend some time with them, and visit their camp that, that he leads and things. And, and we're up there for dinner. It's Becky, myself, and then our three kids, which that was, um, if, if you're going to invite us over for dinner, just be prepared that three kids come with us every single time. So we get up there, and, and they cooked breakfast for dinner for us. And during breakfast for dinner, we discovered something that we never knew about Jacob. And in fact, I, I would bet that none of you, some of you are like, I don't even know Jacob. You're learning a new name. You're discovering something that's good. But there's something we learned about him that never came up in conversation. We've known them for about a year. It's never come up in conversation. I never would have guessed this about him. But I learned last Thursday night, that man can make the best biscuits I've ever had. The best biscuits and so much, in fact, it made such a lasting impression on my three kids that as we're driving home, can we have some more, can we take a biscuit to go? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no. But he makes phenomenal biscuits. And that's something you would never have discovered unless you took another level, unless you spent time with somebody else. Because like I said, that doesn't come up in conversation. When I meet new people, it's not, my name's Brian, what's your name? Do you make great biscuits? It's going to be from now on, because that's going to become a deal breaker in my relationships if you can't make great biscuits. But we discover things, and when you discover things, it just opens yourself up to something new, and you have a great appreciation for that. So not just in our relationships as we dig in and you discover things about other people. I'm hoping you do that within God's word. And by the end of the summer, I'm, I'm truly hoping and praying that you would fall maybe a little bit more in love with the Bible. That not you would appreciate the Bible more, but that you would grow more in love with God's word as you discover maybe just a few things that you didn't know were in there or you hadn't heard in a long Time. So we're going to look at a story and more so an individual that you may or may not have heard of. Probably most of you have not heard of this name. It's going to be in Exodus chapter 17. So if you've got a Bible, head over to Exodus 17. We'll put them on the screen behind us. But before we get to that individual that is basically a no-name, uh, we need to talk about somebody that you know very well, Moses. So before we get to Exodus 17, let me set it up. Moses, who of course you probably at least heard of before, he has a very specific job and calling by God. Exodus 3.10 says this, God speaks to Moses, says, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. That's in basically a sentence or so, God's job description for Moses. Moses was, was raised in the house of Pharaoh and then ran away for several reasons you can read about. And as he's out in the desert, he has this great encounter with God. And God says, here's your new job. Here's your new responsibility is to go and rescue my people out of Egypt because the Israelites were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh and they've been calling out to God for a deliverer, for a rescue. So God sends Moses. 
Moses' job, and I'm, I'm hammering that in because you got to keep that in mind. Moses' job, his responsibility, his calling was to go to Egypt and rescue the Israelites and take them where? What's like the end goal for the Israelites in this season? The That's it, the promised land. Yes, to take them out of slavery in Egypt, take them across the desert, and eventually get into the promised land. That is Moses' job. God didn't ask anybody else to do that job. Specifically, individually asked Moses to do just that. And Moses does do that. After some back and forth with God, he eventually goes to Pharaoh. You know, probably the story of the, of the plagues. Those all happen, and then the Israelites are released. They go out, Moses parts the Red Sea, and now they're kind of in the desert. And Exodus 17 is still kind of early on in that wandering in the desert season of the Israelites' life and, and their nation's history. So they're out in the desert, and you know, if you know the story, that there's ups and there's downs with the Israelites, and they were kind of experiencing a little bit of an up, but they're about to ready to hit it down because there's going to be an army, another nation, come and attack the Israelites. And that's where we're going to pick it up, and that's where we are introduced to a name that you probably haven't heard before. Exodus chapter 17, starting in verse 8. Again, Moses' job, his responsibility, the calling God gave him, was to rescue the Israelites and take them to the promised land. And here's a problem that they face. Verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and here it is, a name you might not have known. Who's this person? Her. Her's a he, just so you know. He's not a she. Hers, he. So <laughs> Moses, Aaron, and her. Moses, Aaron, and her went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses, is he Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So we get introduced to her. Most of us haven't heard of her before. We don't really know much about her. And no, this has not been her if you've seen the movie. Has nothing to do with that at all. Not even close. No, not at all. So you have Moses and then these two individuals, Aaron and her. Aaron we might have heard of before. If you go through, in fact, Aaron's mentioned earlier on in Exodus, actually, when, when God and Moses were going back and forth about his job description. He was like, well, can Aaron come with me, that he would be a helper? So we actually get introduced to Aaron a little bit more before this story and even after this story. But her, we really don't know anything else about. This is really, there's one other small mention of just his name, but as far as his involvement with Moses and in the nation of Israel, this is the only story we have of her. Now keep in mind what's happening here. The Israelites are out of Egypt. Yay, they're on their way to the promised land, but they're getting attacked by the Amalekites. So Moses says to Joshua, another famous name. He has an entire book written after him. We know Joshua probably, Joshua and Jericho. So Joshua takes some men, goes to fight the battle. Moses goes up on a hill and he takes two individuals with him, Aaron and her. They go up on the, the top of the hill and Moses says, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to hold the staff up in my hands. As long as the staff is raised up in my hands, then we will win. But if that staff starts to become lowered, then who wins? Not a trick question. Who wins? The Amalekites. Yeah, the enemy, if you don't know how to pronounce their name. Yeah, the, the other people. They start to win. The Israelites are winning. The Israelites are losing. The Israelites are winning. The Israelites are losing. Now, keep in mind, this is Moses' responsibility. It's his job to lead the nation of Israel. His job and nobody else's. Yet he takes two individuals, Aaron and, and her up with him to the top of this hill 
to oversee what's happening. Now, you could imagine if you're Moses. Again, this is my job. This is my responsibility. I have the staff of God in my hand. As long as this staff stays above my head, as long as I keep my hands raised, we're going to win this battle. And he's watching the battle. He's watching at the top of this hill Joshua and the nation that God has entrusted him with. He's watching them fight this battle, and they're winning. They're winning, but as you can imagine, something is going to happen eventually. What happens to your arms when they stay in this position for very long? They get tired. They get very tired. Extremely tired. We'll just, you, you get the point. I don't have to hold my hands up so you understand it, right? No, he's holding his hands up, and he's got a staff above his head, and he's getting tired, and he's getting exhausted. But as he lowers them, he starts to see his men become defeated. Now, understand, in war, in battle, when you begin to lose, that means people are dying. That means your enemy, are t- they're taking ground. You're retreating. So the moment his hands start to drop, he starts to see the tide turn, and he starts to see his men who are being victorious. They're now losing more of his men or dying. He's like, I can't do that. This is not a responsibility I can say no to. This is not a responsibility I can let go of. He's thinking, I don't have a choice. I have to. I have to keep my hands up. But physically, it's not possible. So you see, Moses is kind of stuck, isn't he? He can't not do it. He has to make it through. But there comes a point where physically, he absolutely can't. Now, I want you to start thinking just in your own life, the responsibilities that you have, your job description. And not just the job where you work and get paid. What about your job at home and your job in your community? What, what are the responsibilities that you have to hold up? That they are yours. They are yours and only yours. And you cannot say no to them. I mean, I, I have a responsibility to my wife and to my kids and to my church and to our community. And, and yes, we need to learn how to say no to some things. But at the end of the day, there are some things that I am responsible for. There are some things that you are only responsible for, but what do you do when you can't hold them up anymore? What do you do when quitting's not an option, but I can't physically do it anymore? That's where Moses had found himself, and I want you to see how Aaron and her, how they step in. So let me back up just a little bit so we're on the same page. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, not if, but when, because we know that was most definitely going to happen, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. So they noticed, okay, he's getting tired. He can't do this. So, so they're resourceful. They, they help out in the environment. They give him something to sit on. So now he's sitting, and his legs are starting to rest. But we still have the problem of his hands getting tired, his arms getting tired. So they put the stone under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and her, then look at this, held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. So that his hands remained, and what's the word here? Steady. Remember that word. We're coming back to it. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, write it down if you're taking notes. They held his hands up, one on each side, so that his hands remained steady. Till when? Look how long they did this. Till when? Sunset. All day. Verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites and the Amalekite army with the sword. So here they are up on this hill. They're looking down. They're watching this battle take place. Moses has his hands up and he's getting tired. It's like, this is my responsibility. This is my job. Nobody else can do what I'm called to do, but I don't know how much longer I can do this. And thank goodness he had Aaron and her with him who said, we're here. We're here. And they put a rock underneath him so he could sit. And they didn't take turns, keep in mind. They just held up his hands. 
I love that an individual in the Bible, the story that he's mentioned, and he's named in the Bible for doing nothing but holding up somebody's hands. That's her. That's her. Now, what I want us to do is, again, we're not going to be in the situation of necessarily holding up a staff in this case, but we do have our responsibilities, and again, I hope you're thinking through what some of those are, the responsibilities that you can't say no to, the responsibilities that truly are solely up to you. It's on you. It is your burden to carry, but just like Moses, we recognize that we're going to need some help with that. So what we're going to look at is just a few lessons from her, what we can truly learn from her. And here's the first one. Her was with Moses before Moses needed her. Her was with Moses before Moses even needed her. When he went up to the hill, he didn't need Aaron and her, did he? No, he didn't need them yet, but still he brought Aaron and her with him. And you have to understand what we tend to do in our relationships is we compartmentalize our relationships. Where I've got this group of people for when I need this. I've got this group of people when I need this. I've got this group of people that are going to help with this. We compartmentalize them. And in some ways we have to do that. But we have to have at least a few. Moses had at least two friends, close relationships that are there all the time. That are lasting relationships. That they're not just, I call you when I need you. That's called a moving friend. We don't have very many of those for obvious reasons. Now, you got to have some lasting friends. Colossians shows us exactly what a lasting relationship, a holistic, a well-rounded friendship looks like. Colossians 3, verse 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here it is, here's a list. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If we offer those things to our friends, to relationships, that's going to give us a lasting relationship. He goes on, though, verse 13. It goes even further in a little bit deeper. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The idea here is if we give those things to our relationships, and we can't do this for every single person all the time. We should, that's the goal, but let's be real, it's not gonna happen. But if we're trying to have what they would say is put on these things, clothe yourselves with these things, and bear with each other. When you, you don't have to bear with somebody that you're having a good time with. You recognize that, right? You bear with somebody when it's difficult. You bear with somebody when it's not going well. You bear with somebody when, when it, there's some tension there, when you're not getting along, when, when it's not working. But that's the well-rounded, that's the lasting and the longevity of a relationship. Like I said, we can't do that with every single person, but we have to have a few. Moses had that kind of a relationship with Aaron and her to the point where he said, Joshua, you go to this. Aaron, her, you're with me. We're going up to the hill. He didn't necessarily explain why at this point. He didn't say, I'll probably get tired and you're gonna have to help me. It was just, a, I need to have the right people around me. But he asked them to come up on the hill with him before he needed them. Could you imagine what it would have been like if Moses is up on top of the hill, he goes up by himself, right? Joshua, you go over there. Everybody else, you do what you need to do. I'm going up on the hill. This is my job. This is my responsibility. I'm the only one God's asked to do this, so I'm going to take care of it on my own. So he gets up on the hill, and he's holding it up, and he's watching Joshua and his army win. This is great. And then he realizes, well, they need to hurry up that battle. Like, how long am I going to have to do this? <laughs> and he starts to get tired and tired, and his arms start to drop down to the point of he's like, I'm going to need some help. But he's up on a hill all by himself. Help! <laughs> I mean, no one's going to hear him. No one's going to see him. He's by himself. 
he brought Aaron and her with him instead of saying, I can do it on my own. If I need help, I'll ask. Because what tends to happen is when we need the help, no one's around. Because we haven't invested into those relationships, or at least a few of those relationships. If you want to invest in relationships, if you want to have an Aaron and a her on your side at all times, Colossians 3 is how you invest in people. It's how you invest in those lasting relationships. So that way when he needed help, they were right there. It says there is one on each side. One on each side, as soon as he needed help, they were there. He didn't have to go looking for help when he needed it. Moses had her with him before he ever actually needed her. We have to have some of those relationships in our life, or else when we need them, we will have a hard time actually finding them. Here's the second one we learned from her. Her was a helping hand, not a hand off. He was a helping hand, not a hand off. Nowhere in this story do we see Moses take the staff and say, I'm exhausted, guys. Aaron, you take a turn for a little bit. Ten minutes later, then you hand it over to her. Then this will work out. We'll just rotate. Right, that would make the most sense. Right? Let's take turns. Let's share the load. Let's, let's work together. All those great team-building exercises are finally going to pay off. Right? But in this moment, again, this is Moses' responsibility. And there are some responsibilities in our life that, yes, we should probably hand off. Right? That you need to, you know what, it's been a good run, it's been a good season, I'm going to let somebody else carry the torch a little bit longer now. There's some things that we need to let go of. Because we do get busy and we do get overbooked and there's a lot of things weighing on us. And some of those things, those things you've got to be aware enough to know that, hey, I just can't, I can't do that obligation anymore. I need to step back and say, no, not right now. But we cannot do that with everything. Because again, at our core, there is a list of responsibilities that are for you and only you. That nobody else can take from you. This is one for Moses. The staff and the responsibility is his and his alone. So he can't hand it off to her, even though he's right there. Well, her, how about you just hold, hold my staff for a little, you just hold it up, I'm sure it'll be fine. No, he's like, I have to do this. So he didn't hand off, but what you see is Aaron and her then offer a, a helping hand. They come alongside of him. They let him sit down, and what do they hold up? They hold up Moses' hands. Moses is holding the staff, but as he's getting tired, Aaron and her are there to give him truly a helping hand and hold his hand steady. Hold his hand steady. When I led a student ministry, we did a lot of trips just as our students are getting ready for their trips. I had a few rules when we went on summer camps with teenagers. Very few. They can't follow very many instructions, so I gave them a few. One of them, and perhaps one of the most important rules we gave our teenagers, was when you would pack for a week of summer camp, which in reality was like four and a half days, but we'd say a week. So when you pack for summer camp, if you pack it, you must carry it. It was one of my rules. Because you would see, no offense ladies, but you would see these ladies with three to four duffel bags the size of them. I'm like, first of all, it's three to four days, ladies. But that's fine. You're welcome to bring that. But you have to be the one to carry it. Right? And we often feel that way with our own responsibilities. Well, it's my burden. It's my responsibility. So then I have to be the one to carry it. Yes-ish. Yes-ish, because what happens is we live in this tension. One side of the spectrum is, it's my responsibility, it's my job, so I'm going to do it all by myself. It's exactly what my toddlers say, all by myself. I don't need anybody, I can do it, I'll take care of it. It's my responsibility, my job, I'm going to do it by myself. What tends to happen to us here unintentionally is we go to isolation. 
We isolate ourselves from everybody else. People are willing to help, or are you okay, or can I offer some assistance? No, 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 I've got it. It's my job. I can do it by myself. We live in isolation because we want to do it on our own. My responsibility, I'll do it on my own. The other end of the spectrum is this is my responsibility. It's getting to be really exhausting, really tiring. I need a break. Somebody else do it. I'm going to walk away. (laughs) That's just being lazy. It's my responsibility, but I need a break, so will somebody please just take care of it for me? Those are the two extremes and the two tensions that we live in. It's my responsibility, so either we feel like either I have to do it all by myself or I just need somebody else to do it for me. And both of those extremes are not helpful, not biblical, and what we see here, her and Aaron show that there is this middle ground here, and in fact, we see it later on in Scripture. Galatians chapter 6 says it this way, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now let me help you understand exactly what this means so we don't take it out of context. First of all, burden, a burden doesn't necessarily have to be something bad, wrong, or negative. We usually think of it in that way, but it's not not necessarily bad. Truly, a burden is just something that's heavy. It's something that weighs you down. There's a lot of good things in my life that are heavy and weigh me down. There's a lot of good things in your life that are heavy and weigh you down. Sure, there's some bad burdens or negative burdens, but there's a lot of good things in your life that you should not get rid of that are just heavy. It's the weight of parenting. It's the weight of job. It's the weight of living in a community. It's the weight of living out your faith. It's the weight of finishing school. It's all of that that you're not necessarily saying no to, but man, it's just heavy. So Galatians 6 tells us, well, we carry each other's burden. Now it says carry. It doesn't say remove. It doesn't say dump off. It says we carry each other's burdens. Know that this scripture here is not permission to dump your burdens and your life on somebody else. Well, scripture said that you have to carry my burden, so here you go. Let me know when it's all fixed. (laughs) That's not what it's saying. It says, no, no, no. We carry each other's burdens. We, We work together in this. But it's still my responsibility just as it's your responsibility. Here's a way for you to think about it. I'm sure at some point in your life you, you have been asked by a friend, we talked about them earlier, a moving friend, hey, I need some help moving, right? And so you show up to their house and hopefully they've at least got most of the boxes down in the garage. If they're a terrible friend, it's all still upstairs and they need it down in the garage. So you get up there and you start going to their boxes and if you're like me, you go to the smallest box and you're like, oh yeah, I'll start with this one. So you get to this box and you go to pick it up and take it downstairs and you say, yeah, there's no way. And then you look at your so-called friends like, first of all, why are you packing bricks in a small box? Can't we just leave these here? So are you curious? Every, everybody has one of these boxes. You have the heavy box, right? It's just, it's full of stuff. And the reason it's in a box is because you don't use it, right? But somehow you want, and for some reason you want to move it to your new place. You want to see what's in my heavy box? I'll just share with you. Hey, this is one of those discovery moments where you probably didn't know this about me. I'll, I'll share this with you. I've got John Denver and Johnny Cash records. How about that? (laughs) There you go. Rocky Mountain High. Anyway, all right, so you come over to my house. You try to help me move. You're going to have boxes of vinyl records that you've got to move. And you're like, there's no possible way, right? And so we have some options. We just look at it and leave, which is not a bad option, honestly. We try to do it on our own, and and we end up getting hurt because you physically can't do it. But there is another option. It's what we would call be smart, work smart or not. Harder, yes. Some of you still need to learn that, it sounds like. Yes, smarter, not harder. So let me introduce you to one of the tools we use around here quite a bit. 
In fact, if you didn't know, we used to meet in a movie theater for three and a half years. Our setup team did a lot of wonders with this dolly. In fact, you can tell it's taken quite a toll on her. Uh, but she helped us out tremendously because we had a lot of things that needed to be moved that we couldn't do on our own. And so we used a dolly, and I know how these things work just as you do. You get the dolly, you put whatever needs to be moved on it, and then lo and behold, it's like the easiest thing to move in the entire world. I mean, look at that. I can move it with my finger. It's great, right? Now, here's how a dolly does not work. You bring a dolly up to it, you put heavy item, whatever burden, whatever box you need put on there, you put it on the dolly, you walk away, it's like, whew, there's a lot of work. All right, go ahead and move it. Go ahead, take it on down the stairs. Have at it. Why are you still sitting there? So often we treat Galatians 6 like that. Carry each other's burdens. We interpret as we'll just offload our burdens and somebody else will take care of it. It's not the way it works. We work together. We allow other people in our lives to help us with the heavy things. But at the end of the day, I'm still the one responsible. At the end of the day, this is still my job, my responsibility, just as it was Moses' job and his responsibility. So here's how this looks for me personally. I'll let you discover a little bit more because that's not very practical for you. Unless you really are moving, then do not call me this week. We have a rule in our life group, you know, we do small groups around here, that you have to be part of our life group for six months before you can ask anybody to help you move in our life group. I'm just letting you know, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good baseline. Or else you start, I know some of you, you go life group to life group every time you move. Anyway, so here's how I do this in my own personal life. So I've got a group of people, none of them are even in this state. I mean, they're truly coast to coast, and they have had some kind of an impact on me over the course of my life, and there's eight of them. And what I do is I send every first Tuesday of the month, I send them an email in three categories, myself, my family, and my ministry. And I give them very specific, good, bad, and ugly of what I'm dealing with with myself, with myself, with my family, and in my ministry. And then I just say, will you just be willing to pray? Every month they get that, and they've been doing this for years and years for me. And what I'm not doing is, hey, here's things that are going on, fix it. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying, I just, I need somebody to carry a burden with me. It's still my burden. It's my responsibility. But I just need somebody else to be in my life and be aware of it and to be praying for it. I have another individual. Every Thursday morning, I get a text from him. And it's some kind of a scripture. It's some kind of an encouragement, some kind of a prayer that he's intentionally, specifically thinking and praying over me. That's some of the hers that I have in my life, that they don't take anything. It's my responsibility. But we do what Galatians 6 says, and we carry each other's burdens. Here's the next one. Her brought steadiness and stability, nothing more, nothing more. I mean, think of Moses and all of, all of his responsibilities throughout what we get in the Bible, all the things that he did. I mean, there's a lot in there. You get to her, and he did one thing, and it's the word I had you remember. What was that word you wrote down or at least circled? Steady. Yes, it says that Aaron and her, one on each side, they held up his hands so that his hands remained steady till sunset. That's all he did. Her brought stability and steadiness to Moses' hands. That is it. Her didn't take on any additional responsibilities. He didn't take anything from Moses. In this story, he didn't even say anything. He brought stability and steadiness. And when there wasn't stability, when there was not steadiness, Moses' hands dropped and the battle began to be lost. But because her brought those two things and only those things, stability and steadiness, we see an entire army win the battle. Then, 
Catch this. Because of what her brought, because of the steadiness, because of the stability, Moses was able to do what he was called to do. Because of the stability and the steadiness that her brought, Moses was able to do what he was called to do. Whether that's as a student, whether that is as a parent, as a spouse, in your job as a coworker, boss, employee, whatever the relationship is, whatever the job description is, you need people in your life that provide stability and steadiness so you can do what only you can do. You cannot offload being a parent to somebody else. But you most certainly need people to come alongside you and keep you. Maybe I should add sane in that as well. Sane, steadiness, and stability. <laughs> you have to have people that bring those things. Ecclesiastes speaks of it in this way. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. When we live in isolation, because I'm going to do it by myself, Ecclesiastes pities that person. Verse 11, also if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Verse 12, you may be familiar with this. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That's what Moses had. He had Aaron and Hur, one on each side, that all they did was bring stability and steadiness so Moses could do what he was intended to and called to do. Last one, Hur's help went beyond just who he was helping. Her's help went beyond just who he was helping. He was helping Moses keep his hand steady. That's, that was who he literally helped. But if you go back to verse 13, it says, so after they did that, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So because of Aaron and Hur's help, keeping his hand steady, Moses was able to keep his staff and hands raised, which allowed Joshua and the army to keep fighting and win, which allowed an entire nation to move forward eventually into the promised land. All because her held up Moses' hands. That's it. Her did not win the battle physically. Her did not lead anybody into the promised land. Her just held someone's hand and truly helped an entire nation, but it started by helping one individual. So here's what I would say, say to that. Let me talk to a specific group of people. I have to be careful how I say this. So I want to talk to the experienced people in the room. Older people. You, you with me? All right, there you go. So those of you that are more experienced than others, understand the impact you can have and not even realize it. Whether you feel like you have your life all together or not, I promise, it's more together than anybody that's younger or less experienced than you. I promise. So as a her, with your experience, what would it look like for you to come alongside somebody that is struggling, that is tired, that doesn't know how they could possibly make it through this season of their life and just say, here, I'll hold your hands up for a little bit. Let me just bring some stability. Let me help. Let me speak into your life. Because you have no idea what that individual will go on to do. And that'll be traced back to you just holding their hands up. That's why we, we want you to be part of our next-gen team with our kids and our students, our young adults, our college students. Look for who is less experienced than you and be willing to come alongside and just say, I'm not going to offer you advice. I'm not going to fix anything. All I'm going to do is hold your hands up. And let's see what you do through that. So... A lot of lessons from her. You've got to invest in the relationships around you before you absolutely need them. It's not about handing off and shuffling all your responsibilities, but more so it's, it's saying, I just need some help. Would you give me a helping hand? It's being willing 
to help more than just yourself because it's going to go beyond just you. And it all comes back to stability and what was the word? Steady. Keeping people's hands steady. So let me give you three things to do. And I'd say, man, start these this week. Here's, here's some homework for you. I know we're, your kids are probably out of school, but here's three things. Something for you to read, something for you to pray, and then something for you to do to apply her to your life. And I hope you're getting that you need both of these. Like, we need to be a her, but we also need to have her. So you got to look at it both ways. And there's seasons where those, those are in, in different quantities or needs. So take a picture of this, write it down. We'll post it on social later. But first, read Exodus 18. This week, read Exodus 18. Not a typo. Yes, we read Exodus 17 or a portion. But what you see in Exodus 18 is the, the same theme or the same lesson that Moses is learning about needing people around him, but it takes it in a, another step further. And you're actually introduced to another individual you may not have heard before. So you might get another one, another discovery for you. So read Exodus 18 this week. Add this to your prayer life. Something along the lines of, God, strengthen me through my friends. God, you, you place some great relationships and friends around me. Strengthen me through those people that are around me. In other words, the hers that I have in my life, would you strengthen me through them? I have things I have to do. I cannot say no to them. I shouldn't say no to them. They are my responsibility. But God, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I need a break. I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. Would you strengthen me through my friends? Not by taking things off my plate, but by bringing people into, as Galatians says, let's carry each other's burdens. And then the last one, last one is just ask for help. Ask for help. What are some of those responsibilities that are your responsibilities that you're living in isolation because this is my job, this is what I'm supposed to do, I can't ask for help? Be willing to take a step over, get to an Galatians 6-1 type of a, a place in your relationship, say, I've got some burdens, I just need somebody to carry them with me. I'm not asking you to take them from me, I'm just saying, will you carry them with me? Ask for help. Don't live in isolation, don't live in laziness. May we carry each other's burdens. And may we have hers in our life, but may we also be a her to those as well. And let's see the power and the impact that we can have and that can have in our life when somebody comes along and does nothing but hold someone's hand up to keep them steady and to keep their life just a little bit more stable. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for these almost unknown stories in your word. And God, may, may you just, through your Holy Spirit, may you just give us more of a hunger and a thirst for your word. Maybe we, may we want to dig in a little bit deeper. Maybe we want to read a little bit more and spend just a little bit more time with you uncovering these incredible stories, these incredible truths and principles that you have placed in your word for our life. That regardless of the story, you tell us that your scripture is intended for our learning, to hear from you and to grow with you to become more of who you want us to be. So may your word do that in our own lives. God, may we identify the people in our lives that are a her to us. And may you put on our heart and on our mind individuals that need us to be a her for them. People that are doing what they need to do, but they're struggling to continue on. May we have the wisdom, the insight, may we have the awareness of seeing their need and walking over and just holding their hands up. We're not taking anything from them. We're holding their hands up, providing stability as well as the steadiness that's needed. May that also be true in our own lives as we live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.